Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. We're starting a brand new series of teachings today, and, and, and I want us to move in this, but I want to move into this a little differently um, than, than we did the previous experience. Has anybody ever been loved conditionally? Where it seemed like as long as you did A, then, then you were loved. All right, all right. Somebody say, God's not like that. And so today, as we're starting this new series called Jesus, No Other Name, before we get into the application of the power of his name, we need to acquaint ourselves and reacquaint ourselves with the love that comes from his name. So I want you to lay your hands on yourself. I want you to say your name. Say your name. Now somebody, that ain't your name. Say your name. All right. Say, you are loved unconditionally by the creator of everything. He knows everything about you, and still, he chooses to love you. Hallelujah. We're going to get into the word today. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith. Thank you for standing. Uh, you sit 40 hours a week at your job, so I thank you for standing and honoring the reading of God's word for five minutes on a Sunday. Amen. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message I'm about to receive. Let's look there. First John chapter four. Go to first John chapter four. This isn't the gospel of John. Uh, this is towards the back of your Bible. This is first John chapter four. First John chapter four. When you get it, say, Bishop, I have it. And if you're still flipping, say, Bishop, hold on. All right, I'll wait for you. Amen. First John chapter 4, verse number 8. Uh, again, for the sake of just making sure we're all on the same page, um, you see me in what's called civic attire for a bishop. And just an interesting anecdotal fact, um, the Roman collar just represents my being a bondservant to Jesus Christ. The cross and chain, you can't see the cross, but it's called a pectoral cross. It is that Christ now is the protection of the heart of his men servants or of the men of God. Uh, but then additionally to that, the, the, the shirt, the shirt's just not, you know, people, people ask me one time, I just thought you picked the shirt depending on whatever, you know, you went with your outfit. Uh, but they actually have meaning. Somebody say meaning. 
So bishops can wear uh, any of the purple shirts, and uh, depending on the level, the level of bishops, etc. But the reason that the bishop shirts are purple is because the bishops in the early church, they were murdered and killed and crucified and beaten for serving Jesus. And so their white garments were turned into blood because they paid the price that nobody else was willing to pay so they can wear and walk in a rank that nobody else could walk in. And so it's not just purple for some kind of fashion statement. It's, it's actually called Roman purple. It's because it represents 2,000 uh, some years ago when men had to pay with their lives to be able to name the name of Christ. And so just some interesting facts. First John chapter 4, verse number 8. For he who does not love does not know God. For God is what? God is what? In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God sent his only begotten son into the world. In other words, God stepped into a body and he came to do what we could not do for ourselves, that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or to the pay the price for our sin. Now, sins are things we do that don't please God. They don't please God because they hurt us. Got it? So watch this. God is what? love father i decrease that you might increase move through us now that we might move and walk in what you've ordained as we kick off and begin this new series father we thank you that as we're becoming acquainted with the power of your name we thank you father that we're first being acquainted with the love that is in that name and that today father i pray that everybody under the sound of my voice would hear this message and that they would apply it immediately to their lives whoever feels rejected they feel loved by you whoever feels discouraged or depressed they'd walk out of here feeling loved by you let your love saturate this place today and wash away all pain wash away all unforgiveness wash away all bitterness let your love somebody shout love let your love saturate this auditorium and saturate the internet campus and saturate every individual on the sound of my voice and we thank you that it is so in Jesus name somebody shout hallelujah as you take your seats high five two or three people and tell them oh how he loves us oh how he loves us as we get into this, I want to tell you what this series is going to be about. In this series, we're talking about how to the dead man, Jesus was life. To the hopeless, he was a reason to live. To the prostitute, he was a second chance. To the searching, he was the long-awaited answer. There is no other name, say no other name, by which we can receive favor, healing, life, peace, joy, or hope. And in this particular series, we're going to reveal, say reveal. reveal. We're going to receive, say receive. receive. And we're going to apply, say apply. The power of that name that is above every name. You know it. What is it? Jesus. Now watch this. As we kick this series off, there's an old saying that says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So to kick off this series, before we begin to talk about the power that is in that name, and that name has power. That name is so powerful that the Jews, the Hebrews, they won't even dare utter that name except to call it the name because they know when you call on that name, you're not calling on some dead God that's in some tomb somewhere. You are calling on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are calling on the God that held death and captivity hostage you are calling on the God that spoke into nothing and created everything there is power in that name so much so that the Jews say we won't say his name we just call him the name so what a Jew would do is when they were when they were discussing or if they were discussing spiritual things to one another they would not say because God is not actually God's name God is a title from a sixth century uh, Germanic term Gudan so God's actual name in Hebrew is Yahweh his full name is yet so in your Bible when you see the word Lord in all caps that's his actual full name it's kind of like a parent when you really want to get your child's attention you don't just call him Chris you call him Christopher Michael Williams or whatever their full name is 
You call all their names. So when God uses all his name, it's a pretty big deal. But it's Yahweh in the Hebrew. It is Jehovah now in the English. And the Jews say that name is so powerful. Somebody say powerful. That we can't even play with that name. So God made a commandment saying, don't take my name in vain. Because when you use my name, heaven and earth are going to show up. When you use my name, sickness has to bow. When you use my name, disease has to bow. When you... But before we get into the power of that name, we've got to acquaint ourselves with the love in his name. So the phrase, God is love, sounds good. Doesn't that sound really good? God is love. In fact, you've heard people use that whenever you try to get rough with them. They'll say, well, God is love. That ain't got nothing to do with you getting here like you said you're going to do. Now, don't be bringing God as love all up into this. And watch this. God is love. It sounds good, but what does that really mean for you and I pragmatically or from a practical application? So, watch this. To know what God is love means, we must first define his love for us. So, his love has two facets to it. Say two. Now, really, there are more, but there are two that I want to focus on today. Uh, compassion and truth. Say compassion and truth. In fact, your love for people is the same way. It is compassion and truth. People that you really love, you tell them the truth. Let me tell you, if you really want to know who your friends are, they're the ones that tell you, listen, I know they think all of that's cool, but all of that, mm -mm. Young people, if your parents really love you, they, they won't mind telling you about yourself and don't care that you're going to go in your room and shut your door. Somebody that hates you will lie to you. Are you still here? His love is compassion and truth. Say compassion and truth. Uh, John 1, 17, New Living Version. Don't flip there. I'll tell you what it says. It says, the law was given through Moses, but loving favor and truth, loving favor means compassion, and truth came through Jesus Christ. So here's compassion. It's his choice to desire us, accept us, be patient with us, and be concerned with us. I'm going to say it again. It is his choice to desire us. Say, he desires me. Now, that's tough for you to grasp because the truth is God could have anybody, so why would he waste his time running after you? Are you hearing what I'm saying? But it's also his choice to accept us. Say he accepts me. I need to tell somebody, people may not accept you. Systems may not accept you. Religious folk may not accept you. But Jesus the Christ, he says, I not only desire you, but I accept you. But then he, watch this, he's patient with us. And he's concerned with us. That's compassion. But then it's also truth. But so what is the truth? What do you mean truth? He knows the reality about us while we are being transformed to be more like him. So let me make that real practical. God is like, I know the real deal Holyfield about you. So you can fake out your friends and tell them all this spiritual talk, but I know the thoughts you have. You're not hearing what I'm saying. God says, I see past, let me talk to the ladies. I see past your Mac. I see past your Maybelline and your cover girl. And I see the real you. I see the you you wish I didn't know. I see the you that you wish I couldn't read. Let me talk to the fellas. I see past all of your hard persona. I see past all of that. That ain't doing nothing to me. God says, I know the real deal about you. And even though I know the real deal about you, I still desire you. I still accept you. And I still want you. I wish you'd have five somebody say, he knows the real deal. But he still wants you. Uh, you. That was the wrong neighbor. High five somebody else. Say, he knows the real deal about you. But he still wants you. See, somebody, you've been being too hard on yourself because you think, well, he can't love me or he can't want me. But I got a message for you today. You better shut that condemning voice up out of your ear. God says, I died for you. And I don't die for trash. And I didn't die for junk. And I didn't die. If he didn't think you were that much, he wouldn't have died for you. You don't die for some dirty rags. 
So if he thought enough of us 2,000 years ago to die for us, he must think we're about something. So the next time somebody walks out and say, I don't really care, you ought to say, but he thinks I'm to die for. Yes, he, he thinks I'm all that, a bag of chips and some more. I wish you'd high five your neighbor and say, he thinks you're all that. Now watch this. It's compassion and truth. Now watch this. There are four primary Greek words that while they are not specifically associated with God's love in the text, they illustrate the most faceted nature of God's love through the sacred writ in this way that the book of Hosea, say Hosea, it is demonstrative of these four primary Greek words, and I give you the Greek because Greek is your New Testament. These four primary Greek uh, love, uh, Greek words for love, excuse me, in practical action. So here's the background of this book. Hosea is an honorable man who was told to go and betroth an unfaithful prostitute that whored herself out not just to the highest bidder, but to any bidder. Now, I know some of you maybe are stuck at the word hoard, but it's in your Bible. Got it? Depending on the definition, it actually says it a little bit rougher than that. And some translations of your Bible call her an undesirable prostitute. Undesirable is Bible code for ugly. U-G-L-Y. She didn't have no alibi. She was just... Don't act like y'all don't... Come on, really? Whatever. Okay, so watch this. This woman's name is Gomer. Everybody say Gomer. I mean, imagine... Okay, just look at her name. Like, like how you doing, Gomer? I mean, like, what did he call her? Like, come here, go. <laughs> watch this watch this so so watch this it's this unfaithful prostitute who some bible translations say she was undesirable who she bounces from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship even though she's got hosea who is an honorable man she doesn't want watch this i'm gonna go on and take another direction she doesn't want the good guy she don't want, y'all ain't going to say nothing, so I'm going to go ahead and go there. She don't want the guy that's getting his stuff together. She wants, okay, y'all better say something, because I, she don't want the nice guy that pays his bills, got his credit together. She don't want him. She want Ike. Talking about you just don't understand him. Well, you're right, I don't understand getting hit up up myself. I don't understand that, you're right, I don't. Amen. She doesn't want the honorable guy. She doesn't want the guy that opens the door. Yeah. Say amen, because I, I could just stop right there and say, I'm going to go a whole nother message. Get the CD from the 915. I could go a whole nother way. But we out of relationship revolution. Ooh, but I'm coming back around to that real soon. <laughs> so she doesn't want Hosea, this honorable man. He's a man of God. He's an honorable man. She don't want him. Now, here's what you need to understand. The book of Hosea is a parallel about this story between Hosea. What's her name? Gomer. This ugly. She's unfaithful. Here's the trip about it. Not only is she a prostitute, she's an unfaithful prostitute. Like, she's not even faithful to her tricks. No, don't, don't touch it. Leave right there. I need it loud. So I'm not hollering. Yeah, I mean, like, 
Okay, okay, all right. So, so, okay, all right, all right, move on. Okay, yes, sir. All right, watch this. But God allows this book to be written to be a parallel, not just between Hosea and Gomer, but it's really written about God and his people. So in Hosea 2, we see this imagery. So watch it, Hosea 2 and 1. Say to your brethren, well, who's your brethren? My people, and to your sisters, mercy is shown. Verse 2, bring charges against your mother, bring charges, for she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. Let her pull away her harlotries from her sight and from her adulteries between her breasts. So I need you to see this. God is likening his relationship with his people, both male and female. He's liking his relationship to him being the husband and his people being the wife. That's why the scripture says he's coming for the bride of Christ. Well, well, whether you're a man or female, God uses his imagery like he's the man and, 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 and you're the wife. Whether you're male or female. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's using this imagery. Everybody say imagery. So in other words, it starts out by saying she acts like she's mine, but she's not. She said because she couldn't be mine out there with all of them. Anybody got it? All right, verse 5. We're going to skip around a little bit to, for the sake of time. For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who are going to give me bread and water, food, who will give me wool and linen, clothes, and my oil and my drink, something to do with my free time. Let me speak to you. Now, you spiritual. But your neighbor, a lot of the people they have around are just because they're bored. And a lot of the relationships they get into are just because they're bored, because they're not handling business, so they figure they go get somebody so they can have some business. But I've come to tell somebody, you better learn, if you're single, you better learn you've been given a gift, and the gift is to learn how to handle you some business. Stop running up trying to get with somebody. I need somebody. No, you need to learn you, because if you're messed up and jacked up and half a person, you getting with another messed up, jacked up, half a person ain't going to do nothing but create a messed up, jacked up situation. In other words, Goma was like, they're going to pay my rent, pay my bill, my telephone bill, all this here. So y'all get the imagery, right? God is essentially writing the narrative for the first episode of Maury Povich. That's what he's doing. Because Gomer's like, <laughs> okay, I'm, I saw this video on YouTube. Because I was studying for some stuff I'm going to do with the students real soon. So I saw this video on YouTube, and it was a song. These guys were doing this song, and, and, and they had all these different songs. And, and see, I'm going to see. See, watch this. All the, I'm going to see. Because they were like, see, and one of them says, like, I'm too grown for this. And they, see, some of y'all, like five of them over here know. And then they had this song called, Ooh, She Ratchet. And so, now for those of you unfamiliar with that particular Colloquialism, it, it just simply means she's uh, not very wise in her decision-making. <laughs> Bishop, what are you trying to say? Gomer's sitting up here like... <laughs> I'm trying to do the... Come on, y'all, I'm trying to do the impersonation. I need Bishop Thomas, because when he do it, it's just funny. I don't, I don't do it quite that way, because I... Like, all that extra style, I'm not into that. <laughs> Fix all of that. All this. I'm going to pop it. Gomer's like, hey, Hosea, I know you's a good man. But Ray 
and Tyrone and Keith and Ralph and John and Stan and then Stan's brother Sam. They, they buy me bread. Ooh, and it be the good white bread too. Go <laughs> put that verse back up. The, the last one. Put that verse back up. They, they buy me bread, and, and, and they buy me they, they they buy me clothes, and they take up my free time. So check this out. Her lovers don't even know that they're being used. Okay, all right, watch this. I'm going to help you. Watch this. Verse 7. Now, remember, this is about Hosea and Gomer, but it's a parallel about God and his people. A lot of the stuff we run to beside God, you're really using it to try to give you what only God can give you. It's quiet in here. Verse 7. She will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better for me than now. He's like, oh, okay, I thought, watch this, I'm going to help some of you who grew up in the church, and you figured, I just need to go live my life. And you figure you that crazy, even though you know to act right. I'm here to tell you, oh, the first one is the right one. Who's the first one? Jesus was the right one the whole time. And you sitting there, you don't even look right doing some of the stuff you're doing, trying to sit around worldly folk cussing. You don't even look right cussing. You don't even look right dressing like that. You look horrible. Touch your neighbor and say, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. You don't even look right trying to be worldly. You don't even, you sitting in the club rocking and clapping like, you, you got ain't no church song. You don't even belong there. You belong to G. And I think there's a few people that know who they belong to, baby. I... Sitting there talking about, they sure ain't loyal. Verse 8, for she did not know, <laughs> for she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Look at this. God is like, she was running after all these other sources, but she didn't even realize it was me the whole time. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. You ran all of this, and God says, what you didn't know is the whole time. I was behind the scenes. I was providing. I kept you from dying. I kept you from losing your mind. I kept you from losing everything you own. God said the whole time it was me. Touch your neighbor and say it was him the whole time. Which means, watch this. If he did all of that for you when you weren't faithful to serving him, what is he going to do now that you're faithful to him? I, I wish he'd high-five your neighbor and say he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. God says, G, <laughs> or go, or gom, <laughs> like gomi. He's like, hey, listen, listen, Linda. Come on, come on, come on, get this, get this, get, there it is. Listen, Linda, honey, listen. YouTube it. Like the whole time you've been running after them, I've been, you, you thought they paid the rent. I did that. And I use whoever I want to do to get it. 
God is saying the whole time behind the scenes I've been preparing but you keep running back to all of these other bales which was a false god which means false source look at verse 9 I gotta move therefore I will return and take my grain in its time and my new wine in its season and I'll take back my clothes and to, to, to cover your nakedness in other words watch what the Lord does the Lord's like you know what since you want to run after everybody but me how about I take all the stuff I gave you He's like, I like God because he's, he, God wasn't no punk. Like, oh, oh, gee willikers. God was like, oh, that's how it is. Are you just going to leave me like that? Really? After everything we've been through? You're just going to leave me? So God was like, I'm going to need them clothes. Verse 9, it's right there. Verse 13, for I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense. She, look at this, she decked herself out with earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot, says the Lord. In other words, watch the imagery. Remember, it's talking about this woman, but it's also we are that woman. He says she got dressed up to go run after them. And gets an attitude when the usher says, sit over here for me. Didn't get no help from nobody except the us's right there. God says, how is it that she got dressed up for these guys? And uh, she didn't do nothing for me. How is it she'll roll out the bed to make sure she answered the phone when they call? But if they don't feel like coming to see me on Sunday, they just don't come see me. Look what the Lord says. He says, she got decked out for her lovers, but she forgot about me. God was like, and when she didn't have nothing, she's right there with me. But now, but, but now okay, all right, all right. Watch verse 17. For I will take from her. But look, in between those verses, we don't read it, but in between those verses, the Lord, it's not that the Lord changed his mind. It's just the Lord needed to communicate this parallel. Say parallel. It's talking about Gomer, but who's really Gomer? Us. So look what God says, verse 17. I'm going to take their names out of her mouth. So God was like, Gomer, my people. So in case you're not sure who that is, touch your neighbor and say, that's you. He's like, now, you've been running to everything but me. You've been trying this, you've been trying that, you've been trying this, you've been trying that. He said, so I'll tell you what, they didn't pay the price for you that I did. So what I'm going to do is take their name up out your mouth so that you'll discover that it's Jesus and there is no other name. It is Jesus that saves to the uttermost. It is Jesus that gives you peace. It is Jesus that gives you. I think I got a few witnesses in here. I tried this, tried that, tried that, tried that. But when I tried... Look at verse 20. I will betroth you, marry you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Verse 23. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who have not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they shall say you are my God. So at the end of it, God's like, all right, I want you. And I know you've not been faithful to me, Gomer, my people, but I still want you. So in this particular passage of scripture, we see all four of the primary Greek words for love dis displayed. But watch this. I need you to get this because I need somebody to hear this. Exodus 21:32 establishes that the value of a slave was 30 pieces of silver. 
In Hosea 3.2, Hosea buys Gomer for 15 pieces of silver. You missed it. Which means Gomer was worth a half a slave. Watch this. Bishop, what does that mean? She had, watch this, diminished her own value. Well, somebody's going to get it. She had diminished her own value so much so that Hosea was able to get her for a discount. Bishop, what are you trying to say? I need to tell somebody at this 1115 worship experience that I don't care what you've done to diminish your own worth. And I don't care what you've done to diminish your own value. He still loves you. I, I know people may have written you off, but he still loves you. I know you may have given up on yourself, but he still loves you. I know you may not feel worthy. Shut your mouth. He still loves you. So these four Greek words, eros, which means we get our Greek word erotic or our English word erotic from it, but doesn't always have a sexual or physical connotation. Eros in its, its root form just means desire and longing. In other words, God says, I desire you and I long for you. But then there's the Greek word storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, which means natural affection. It is the affection, for example of a parent to a child. God says, I have affection toward you. That is the reason why when you're worshiping, you get that overwhelming presence and that overwhelming, I'll call it feeling, although that's not the most adequate way, nor it is the most appropriate way to articulate the sentiment that I'm trying to convey. Watch this. But that's why when you're, when you're worshiping, sometimes tears will just start flowing. No, nobody know nothing about that? That's why when you're praising, all of a sudden, you could have been tired, but something will just start raising up. Why? Because God says, that's my affection. In other words, God said, that's when I give you the affirmation that you need by virtue of affection. And I think it's a few people to where there have been times you were going through stuff where you didn't need nobody to say nothing. You just needed them. Just give me a, just let me know it's going to be okay. And God says, that's what I do when you praise me. That's what I do when you worship me. You experience my affection. But watch this. The next word is the Greek word phileo, where we get. Our, our city, for example, Philadelphia, which means brotherly love, it's, in its root form, it means loyal. So God desires us. He longs for us. He gives us affection, but then he's loyal to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I've discovered that some people ain't loyal. See, they play with it. And since they play, see, they're trying to push me to say that. But now, since Gomer was... Yeah, y'all push me, then I won't be able to sell the city. <laughs> but different people, anybody ever met some folk that you just discovered weren't loyal? Watch this, but you were loyal to them? Here, here's the trip. God says, I'm loyal to you. Which means when everybody else walks out, God says, I'm going to be the one standing there. And when everybody else gives up on you, God says, I'm going to be the one standing there. And when nobody else believes you, God says, I'll be the one right there. He's loyal. Somebody say, he's loyal. He's loyal. Romans 5, 8 demonstrates this. He says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And yet that we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's loyalty. Watch this. When even before we knew we needed a savior, he said, I choose to be loyal to you. Somebody say loyalty. loyalty. It's almost a lost, a lost, lost virtue. It's quiet in here. All right, let's move on. Let's just move on. The, the fourth Greek word is agape. Say agape. 
It literally means the love of God for humans as well as the human reciprocal love for God. It's an unconditional love. It literally means a feast of love. And in fact, that terminology, feast of love, we experience when we receive communion which is also called the Lord's Supper. In a more liturgical environment, it'd be called the Eucharist. Uh, please understand, God says, you're experiencing my unconditional love when you feast on my love through communion. But what do you mean unconditional love? Because while we were still acting crazy, he was on that cross. You're not hearing what I'm saying. God says, I was paying the price for you before you even knew it was a price owed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so, so watch this. In this story of Hosea, we see all of these different uh, definitions in the Greek for love. He, he's loyal to us. He un- loves us unconditionally and gives us a feast of his love through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He has affection for us, and then he desires and longs for us. But now watch this. We must apply that love. Say it must be applied. All right, so watch this. Watch this. So, so this is, I'm going to do the same thing I did last time. But I'm going to come to this side. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just being funny. All right. This is a $50 bill. What can you do with 50 bucks, guys? Talk to me. Gas. Chick-fil-A. Somebody said four bistros. Five, bi- five bistros. Yes, sir. Now, can't you get six? You can get six of them. You can't, and, you, and, and today, by the way, Commercial break brought to you by Jesus Christ International Food Department. Bistros after church, fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, cornbread, and cabbage. BTW, IJS. By the way, I'm just saying. Okay, watch this. Okay, you can get gas, you get food. What else? Some soap. That better be great soap. Oh, you can sew. Oh, yes, yes. I say that soap better just clean your inside. I mean, your soul ought to be clean for $50 worth of soap. <laughs> I want my children's children to be clean for that soap. <laughs> what else? Get your hair done. Part of it. Nails done. Okay, get your nails done, ladies. Okay. Shoes. Clothes. You can pay your offerings. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. All right. If I was to give you this, this 50 bucks, I'm not, but if I was to, <laughs> no, that's right, Bishop. Amen. I, the Lord told me today. That wasn't the Lord. You, you was working that hour a little bit too much. That extra hour you got, you should have went to sleep. All right. So if, if I was to give, if I was, come here, if I was, if I was to give, this 50 bucks, all right? If I was to give that 50 bucks um, to him, here's the deal. Say, he's got it. it. But that doesn't mean that he actually spends it. Okay, thank you. Now, now watch this. Here's the deal. God says, I've given you my desire, my longing, my loyalty, and my unconditional acceptance of you. But that doesn't mean that it's actually being applied to your life. Just because it's available doesn't mean it's applied. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. So I want to give you three things. Say three things of how we apply his love. The first is this, his love liberates me. Say his love liberates me, which literally means it sets free. John 3.16 says it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So here's what condemnation does. Say I'm free. 
Condemnation, though, doesn't say that. Condemnation says to you, you're not, you can't, you won't ever be because of your mistakes. But Jesus doesn't condemn. He saves, which is the Greek word sozo, which means heal, rescue, deliver, and restore. So Jesus says, you are, you can, and let's get her done in spite of your mistakes. I'm going to say it again. Condemnation says, you ain't this, you ain't that. Your mama, your dad, did, no, no, that's what condemnation says. But Jesus says, you are, you can, and let's get her done. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Because some of you say the Lord's just really been on me about, no, 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 that, that's what might be you. Because what God does is when you make a mistake, God doesn't say, mm, 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 you so messed up and jacked up. No, God says, you're so much better than that, and I wish you could see in you what I see in you. I didn't make you to be down there at the bottom of the barrel somewhere. I made you to be a king and a priest and the head and not the tail and above and never beneath. Watch this, watch this. In Genesis, Adam, Adam, ran from God's love when he should have ran to God's love because he was concerned that after he made a mistake, he'd be condemned. How many times when you, people, have you ever seen, watch this, anybody ever had somebody run away from you? And by run away from I don't mean like literally like, <laughs> I mean like somebody like, you know, they're a friend or something and then, you know, you tell them something they didn't want to hear and then all of a sudden you call the next day, doo doo doo, the number you dial. And they just, anybody hear somebody disappear on you? Run from me? Okay, check this out. 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 Um, a lot of the times where that comes from is because when people make mistakes, they can get concerned that you're going to condemn them. So it's easier, watch this, to not have to face the music or face the conversation because of a fear of condemnation. I'm going to say that again. Rewind. It's easier to not have to have the conversation because of a fear of condemnation. So it's preemptive rejection. I'll quit you before you get a chance to even threaten to quit me. That's what Adam did. Adam made a mistake. Say he made a mistake. Anybody here ever made mistakes? I made mistakes. Anybody made a lot of mistakes? Anybody made a whole, what's this, bunch of mistakes? It ain't even bunch. We got to add extra letters to illustrate which we know. We've all done it. I've made tons. Here's the deal. We've all done it. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Adam, when he made a mistake, because he knew he had no business, God says, listen, don't mess with that tree and go tell Eve. All right? Adam tells Eve. Eve gets deceived. Adam's like, all right, fine. And then they go on, and then God comes down. And when God shows up, the scripture says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day, which means God spent time raising Adam. Because Adam wasn't, he didn't go through the natural process of childhood to adulthood. So Adam was born as a man or uh, placed in the earth as a full-grown man, which means God had to mentor him to take up for all the years that he didn't have to go through the natural progression of growth. So God takes him around and fathers, watch this, a grown man. So God fathers a grown man, so he walks up in the cool of the day. And as he's walking with him in the cool of the day, Adam makes mistakes. He makes mistakes. So then God comes down and God is like, Adam, Adam. I think God seems like, sounds like James Earl Jones. I'm, I'm being funny, but, you know, like, you know, you deliberately disobeyed me. You know, it's like, like, Adam. Or it could be totally different. Maybe, maybe, maybe God sound like, you know, the late Bernie Mac. <laughs> I had it, but then I lost it. I had it right there. <laughs> okay, I ain't going to do it because I got to move. I'm out of time. All right, so watch this. So he's like, where are you, Adam? Adam's like, 
Huh? And whenever somebody answers a simple question with huh, it's because their mind needs time to contrive the truth. <laughs> Be like, is that your dollar? Huh? No, you didn't took that up out. Okay, well. <laughs> Check this out. Check this out. Long, long story short, Adam's concerned he might be condemned. So he runs and hides. And then he responds to God and says, well, listen, we, we saw we were naked. And so we went and we hid ourselves. We ran. Check this out. The first son of God ran from God. Because he was afraid he'd be condemned by God. Watch this. I want to ask you some questions. Preguntas. That's Espanol for questions. Uh, to help you see if you're acting like Adam. Watch this. When we condemn ourselves, we're running from God's love. Mister, what do you mean? Uh, when you, woe is me. Nobody likes me. I'm being rejected. Oh, I'm the victim. Everybody's against me. I can never get ahead. Nothing ever works for me. I don't know why my life is so hard. You know, I just, I don't know. I guess it's just never ever gonna work out for me. I'm so sad. I'm so tired. Lord, I'm sad and tired. Lord, why me? This is so unfair. Nobody understands. Tear. <laughs> Can I help you? You are not the victim. You are not always rejected. You can get ahead. Lots of stuff's been working for you. Shut your pity party up because you're the only one talking that mess. But you know people like that. They get their paycheck, and when they should be happy, who I got so many bills. Shut up! Okay, since y'all ain't gonna say nothing, then fine. Something good happened to him, but I don't wanna mess it up. What? Somebody should slap you in the face. That's what somebody should do. Because didn't nobody ask you nothing about messing nothing up? Somebody need to beat you when they want to, when they want to. Touch your neighbor say, you're not the victim. Say, stop condemning yourself. Say, when I look at you, I see a conqueror. Now watch this. To be a conqueror, that means you had to have some challenges. You can't call yourself a conqueror unless you've had some challenges. You can't call yourself a champion unless you didn't won some battles. But I think I passed your church today full of champions and full of conquerors that say, you know what, I, I maybe wasn't dealt a good hand, but I learned how to play it well. Watch this. You condemn yourself, which means you're running from God's love. When you stop coming to church and stop serving because you disqualify yourself. Oh, I, I can't possibly serve. I got too much family drama. You really need to serve. You need to serve the most. Matter of fact, you need to for every time you can get in the door. Oh, I can't serve. I cuss. <laughs> I 
I'm gonna leave that alone. All right, all right. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna leave that alone, son. I, I can't, God can't use me. I've got too many problems. Can I tell you something? God likes using people with problems. Nobody ever used, had it together. Noah got drunk. Abraham was a lie. Isaac was a lie. Jacob was a doggone lie. <laughs> now, listen, if you don't know me, I just believe in being real. And so I say stuff sometimes that just got to be real. Sarah was a madam. Setting her husband up with another woman. They've been running tricks for days in the Bibles, you understand? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jonah was a runner. Peter was a thug. I bet you when Jesus picked him, he was like, yes, sir, yes, sir, because, baby, I'm a thug. He, I mean, I don't know. He was like, I know he was. I know Peter. I know he was. I know he did. <laughs> now, Bishop, why do you call him a thug? Because when they rolled up on Jesus to betray him, and Judas came up, and Peter was like, see, I told y'all I couldn't even stand that dude. Watch this, New Jack City. I knew him from somewhere. Yo, Keish, he's 5-0. See? <laughs> Come on, y'all don't leave your bishop by himself. Peter was like, I knew something was wrong with him. I, I had told the Lord. I had told him. I told him. Now, you ain't going to be rolling up on Jesus like that. Peter takes his sword, cuts the dude's ear. Jesus is like, stop, man. Quit fighting. You fight too much. God, dog, always trying to hurt somebody. And then Jesus puts the man's ear back on and heals him. Bishop, what are you trying to say? God has a preference on using jacked up folk. Which means if you got some jacked up stuff, I got good news for you. That means he prefers us. He prefers people that ain't got it all together. He prefers people that say, Lord, I need you. Every Watch this, but we run from God's love we can, when we condemn ourselves, which, which means when we don't forgive ourselves. That's running from his love. Because here's what unforgiveness against yourself is suggesting, that you're going to somehow do what Jesus didn't do in your eyes. When you don't forgive yourself, here's what you're saying. Jesus, what you did on the cross is real nice, but I need to get up there. I'm not forgiving myself. I'm going to just sit here like a weirdo and rock in the corner. Didn't he die? Didn't he die? That's what unforgiveness against yourself does. Stop calling yourself an ex this and an ex that. No, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. God says, if I forgive you, why can't you forgive yourself? But I dare you to just have, have your neighbor say, I just forgave myself. Yes, I did. For what I did when I was 12, what I did when I was 22, what I did 32, 42, 52, 62, whatever, I just let myself But then, but then we're, we're, not, we're running from his love when we maintain regrets. I should have, I, I could have, I would have. Newsflash, you didn't. So let's just move on. I show, you know, it's funny you talk to people. Because you can tell when people are stuck in unforgiveness against themselves. 
because all their conversations are about yesteryear. Y'all not hear me. You you, you ever talk to somebody? It's 2014. And you talk to them, and they're talking about, man, 94, I really don't know why I got off the team. (laughs) You need another one of them open-handed slaps to them face. That's what you need. (laughs) You can't go back then. They didn't sold the team five times since. Your records have been purged. But so what are you trying to say? Let go of the regrets. I shouldn't have ate that donut. You did. Now discipline yourself and go run five miles. Then let it be over. The, the other day, the other day, uh, whenever I travel, I have to eat, you know, I shouldn't say I have to eat late, but, but I have a, I'm very, very religious about not eating after 6 p.m. And when I have to eat after 6 p.m., I'm not happy about it. But when I travel, oftentimes the way the schedule works is that's just the way it works. And I have to eat for the sake of everyone. <laughs> I don't even eat for me. It's like, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> so I have to eat. And so, and so watch this. When, when I have to eat after 6, I'm not, I'm not very happy about it. But, you know, uh, so when I travel, I, I'll eat after 6. And then you may think, oh, well, you know, I just, you know. No, I, I, I impose a way for me to execute self-discipline. So that means that next workout's going to be strenuous. Because I must, I got to, got to, you know, handle that. You got it? That'll work. I just got to handle that. Got it? Okay, watch this. But, but what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Stop, touch your neighbor, say, come out of those regrets. That was the wrong neighbor because they would have shouted. Touch the other one, say, come out of those regrets. You know what the Bible, okay, I feel like preaching at the 1115. You, you know what the Bible calls hell? In the scripture, it's a place called weeping and gnashing of teeth, which an amateur will read that and say, oh, brother, that's talking about the hell fire of Jesus. Hey, brother, and yeah, uh, amateur can't read, write or do arithmetic. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is a Hebrew idiom, which if you check the cross-reference for its origin, it means a place of regret. So then watch this. You can create a hell on earth by being stuck in regrets. But I came to tell somebody today, it's time for you to bust out of that hell of regrets and tell hell, hell no, I ain't going into that no more. Yes, I made some mistakes, but I'm not one. Yes, I should have did it differently, but I didn't. So now I got to just keep it moving. High five your neighbors say keep it moving. Second thing, and I'm almost through, his love learns me. Learns here is a southern vernacular, which means teach. So although it says learn, it really means the opposite, which is to teach. So check this out. He's patient with us to teach us. And some of the lessons he has to teach us aren't in the classroom, but they're through correction. Sometimes, please understand, you ever had somebody tell you something and you just totally ignored it? But then when you went through something? I was sitting with somebody the other day. And, uh, and they were telling me something, and, and it happened exactly the way I told it was going to happen. And it, it was several years ago, and, and I told I, I said, I said, it's going to happen, you know, boom, 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 boom. And, and so they just, you know, they thought they knew more. And I said, okay, good luck with that. So I was sitting with them, and as we were talking, you know, they were saying, well, you know, a lot of people were telling them I t- told you so, and this and that, and this and that. And, 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 and here's the point. I'm making a, a principle here, an illustration, is that sometimes what you won't hear in the classroom, God has to show you by correction. 
But here's what you need to know. Even if he has to do it through correction, but and listen, what does correction look like? It may be different in the different circumstances and situations. Oftentimes, correction shows up in the form of loss. It's quiet in here. But here's what I love about him is he's patient with us to teach us. Now, check this out. His love isn't always acceptance of our actions, but it's acceptance of us. So that means, watch this, watch this, say he's patient. Which means God says, you, we're bound by time. We're, we're bound by time. In fact, the Bible gives a limit to the years we can live. Check this out. Say, we're bound by time. But God is not. Which means he can operate with a patience, watch this, to where God says, if you want to wait until you're 70 to finally get serious with me, okay. You're bound by that clock. I'm not. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You're not hearing what I'm saying. In other words, God says, I can be patient with you. But God says to somebody today, why do you want the 40-year journey when it can take you 11 days? The children of Israel marched around the same mountain for 40 years. And you think at some point somebody would say, I'm sick of going around this round and round. And somebody would say, round and round we go. I'm sick of going around this thing over and over and over again. I'm tired of walking around 22, same place at 32, same place at 42, same place at 52. Somebody in here ought to say, I'm sick of the same cycle of life. I'm sick of going through the same mess. I'm sick of dealing with the same discouragement. I'm sick of dealing with the same frustration. And God says, now listen, it can take you 40 years 11 days so I need to check the house I just need to know if there's some 11 day people in the house it's not going to take me 40 years to get to the place God has ordained for me baby if I can get there in 11 days I want the 11 day route somebody shout 11 days they marched around the same mountain the same one now listen I don't even like driving around the same place the same way 40 years. And you know what finally happened? They did not, God got tired of it. And that's what's happening in some of your, somebody's life. I don't know who this is for. Some, some of your life, God's like, I'm sick of your cycle. I know you was quite fine with it. But I'm sick of it. So in, in Deuteronomy, the Lord says, turn north. He said, because you've circled this mountain long enough. Y'all are not hearing what I'm saying. Say so he's patient with us. Now, if you want to take the 40-year route, he says, I'll be patient. Or you can take the 11-day journey. It was only supposed to take 11 days to get from Egypt to the promised land. It took them over 40 years. And when they got it, they couldn't keep it. Because all those 40 years they wasted, their mentality got so messed up. So while they came out of Egypt, Egypt was still locked up in them. So even though it was a new day, they acted like it was yesterday. So check this out. Say he learns me. Which is southern vernacular for he what? Teaches me. Here's it is. So, so let me get, your, get our mentality right. Here's how sometimes we think. For him to love me, I must change. Not true. Because he loves me, I can change. Because he loves me, I can change. Say it. It is the difference between doing something to become versus because you are, you can do. It's the difference between doing something to become to be because you are, you can do. Say, because I am, I can do. So the reason we can live righteously, which just means to be in right standing with God, is not because we're trying to get righteous. Because he's made us righteous, we can live righteously. Because he's made you a king and a priest. I'm not acting like a king and a priest to become one. 
Because I am one, I can act like one. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, watch this. Last point. His love lifts me. Hey, who sang that song? Your love lifted me. Who? Lifted me higher. Keep on lifting me. No, not the church one. The one from Ghostbusters. <laughs> okay, y'all find that for me back there. We're going to sing that. <laughs> okay, the one, y'all remember when they, you know, like, oh, I don't watch movies. I just watch church all day. Come on. Okay, Ghostbusters. So when they put sprayed the ooze in the, in the Statue of Liberty and they played the tape player. Yeah, that, that one. Yes. Yes. Somebody. They're going to find it, and I'll tell you who it is. All right, here's the deal. Say, his love, his love. lifts me. Yes. Check this out. He wants us to come as we are, but he never intended for us to stay that way. The issue sometimes we run into is that we think, because he loves me and accepts me, that, well, then it's okay for me to not make any progress or change. Do you know the root meaning of death? It means to stop making progress. So, in other words, God says, I want you to make progress. Say, he wants us to make progress. So that's why God, watch this, because sometimes he can want more for you than you want for yourself, which is why he will place you in a place called Harvest so that he can begin to lift you up. Why? Because Christianity, Christianity is not an event, it's a lifestyle. Now hear me, his love has nothing to do with the quality of life you live, but everything to do with your approach to life. Because there's some people who think, there's some people who think, like, they like think this is a romance novel where because he loves me, everything's okay. Everything's fine. I don't have to do anything because he loves me. Okay. Right. That ain't in there. And by there, I mean your Bible. Here's what I need you to understand. Who, who is that? Jackie Wilson. Didn't he sing it? Okay, so we'll play that at the end of the experience. And watch, watch the church folk. You know, you're right. <laughs> How many people you were taught, because God loves you, whatever is for you is for you, and you're going to get it? Not true. Not in your Bible. How many of you ever tell you, because God loves you, because God loves you, everything God wants to happen in your life, child, it's going to happen. That's not in there. It's not in there. So a lot of people get mad at God because they'll say, God, if you love me, why am I going through this? And God is saying, my love for you is your ammunition and your approach, but it won't do for you what you must do for yourself. Let me prove it to you. Have you ever had a friend or parents, have you ever had a child that they were just wayward, acting crazy, and you sitting there trying to tell them, I love you, I love you, I'm for you, I'm for you, I'm for you, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, and they just didn't get it, so they lived a life that was subpar to what they could live because they didn't receive or apply what you had given them? In other words, God says, just because I love you and I'm loyal to you and I want you and I have desire for you does not mean you're going to experience the quality of life that you can. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People say, I just believe it's just going to work out. Well, if you ain't working nothing, it's quiet up in here. All right? No, 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 no. I need you to hear this. Say, his love, his love lifts, me. lifts me. So here's what his love does. It's not going to do what we must do for ourselves. It's not going to have those tough conversations you've got to go have. 
it's not going to place the calls to the bill collectors that you need to call and negotiate the debt down. It's quiet in here. Now, if you don't know nobody, praise God. Bless his holy name. All right? But, uh, you hear what I'm saying? It, it's, watch this. It is not going to go to the gym and work out for you. I just believe the love of God is going to, you're going to listen. You heard? You ain't going to do nothing but sit there and hope and wish. It's time for you to come out of hoping and wishing. You're going to have to go to the gym if you're trying to, you know, get a better physical, you know, physique, et cetera, et cetera. You hear what I'm saying? All right. Now, we all going to go to the gym once we have that fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, and cabbage, and cornbread. And we go to the gym later. Amen. Bless his holy name. So what are you trying to say? Here it is. I'm done. His love is our ammunition. Check this out. Check this out. Say his love. Say it again. His love. So here's how it works in life. Because he loves me, I can. Because he loves me, I must. Because he loves me, I will. Which means that's my ammunition, but it does not replace my own action. You ever heard somebody talk to you and you talk to them and you're like, how you doing? I'm just waiting on the Lord to give me a blessing. That's what you're doing. Because if he loves me, I know the Lord is going to come through. Well, what if the Lord had already come through? And you sitting there waiting on him to do what you must do. So I need you to understand that. His love won't do for you what you must do for yourself. It's the ammunition to do it. His love won't make you talk right. But it'll give you the ammunition to. His love won't stop you from cussing somebody out. Although some people, that is the only language they understand. However, his love will not stop you from doing it. You're going to have to do that. His love won't stop you from being depressed, but it'll give you the ammunition to get out of it. His love won't stop you from getting discouraged, but it'll give you the ammunition to get out of it. Can I close right here? His love didn't take Jesus off the cross. His love left him up there. But that's because he said, if I don't die, then they'll never be able to live. And so while it pains me to see my son like that, he's got to die so that they can live. And if he didn't spare his own son, his love may not remove the obstacle. It gives you the ammunition to bust through it. His love may not fix the problem, but it gives you the fortitude to go find a way to fix it yourself. So his love does what? Liberates us. His love does what? Learns us. And thirdly, his love does what? Lifts us. Everybody stand.